Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Scurry and the Scrub podcast. It's been a minute. Um, I'm Matt DeMarinas. He is Jordan Scurry. Uh, we are back in your lives. Uh, everybody was yelling at me for getting too political on Twitter. Like, where's the sports takes at? So, all right, we'll fire up the podcast and we'll give you some sports takes to to uh, balance things out for you. Um, today on the show, we're really excited because this man does it all and it's always a good conversation. Um it's a good conversation off the podcast too, but it's a it's a fun one on it. Uh, he's got daily picks to click on sports betting on the athletic. He covers the Clippers for 213hoops.com. He covers the Aces for a Las Vegas sports site franchise media or franchise sports media.com. Um, and he uh, also dropped 35 in the garden one night. Um, one quarter final Thursday, 9 p.m. night against Seton Hall. Uh, he is Cole Huff. What's up, man? I've been I've been waiting for that to die like slowly, but I'm not what? mad that it lives. You know what I mean? Why would you want it like, to die? Because I'm like I'm trying to move on to other things. Like I don't know. I feel like Creighton was so, Creighton was five six years ago. Like if I went uh-huh. there right now, half the people on the team, probably all the people on the team, wouldn't even know who I was. Like it's such but, a thing of the past. I like, it's they cool would know about it sometimes. I didn't know about 35 in the garden. I didn't even mention Creighton. I just said 35 in the garden, man. Like you dropped 35 in the garden. I didn't even say Creighton. This is you. That was just <laughs> there's been plenty. There's been plenty of 35 in the I didn't even know who was playing that night. I saw Cole playing and then I saw Seton Hall playing. All I was right. like, <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, so, but yeah, but no, I appreciate you guys having me back on. I know we've been trying to make this work for a minute. We kind of have busy schedules and whatnot. But yeah, man. If if you hear some yelling in the background, that's that's the baby. That's right. Um, she's with mom right now. Mom is off of work. So probably not too much yelling. Mom has it under control. But if you hear something, that's not that's not my stomach. Yeah, that was the next thing on my uh, on my notes was he just uh, had his first Father's Day as a dad. With his little girl, Winter with a Y, Colette after the father. Huff, how is the little girl doing? Yeah. She's good. She so on the 24th was that last Friday or Thursday or Friday. She turned uh-huh. four months. Ooh. I was going by fast. Yeah, it's it's. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's, obviously, it's really dope. Like it's cool. It's cool to be a dad, man. Especially a little girl. Like, yeah, I know. If or whenever I get to a boy, that'll be great as well. But like a little girl, man, it's just. I'm so soft for her. Like, <laughs> I, I'll do anything for her right now. Like it's, it's weird. It's crazy. It's all, it's all good, man. Have you and Summer come down from like the emotional uh, high of like being first time parents, like bringing her home and then, you know, settling into a routine of what it's like to, you know, raise raise a a child? Yeah, a lot of a lot of the firsts are kind of out the way, like, you know, just things that we were not going to say skeptical, but we didn't know, like how she would sleep, you know, if in the middle of the night, if we'd be able to get sleep, if we're going to wake up and hear her, if she, you know checking on her breathing and all that stuff is kind of out the way. So we kind of have a routine for now, but um, I mean, she's still so young every other week, she's doing something new, whether she's like rolling on her from her, her stomach to her back or like trying to talk or smiling, whatever, just like there's little things along the way that they're, you know, obviously really cool. And they're, it's going to be like that for a minute until she's mm-hmm. grown. So, but yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely in the flow thing. Um, summer just started work last week or started back at work. Nice. So we've been trying to figure out the, you know, the stuff throughout the day. We both work from home. So that's good. Um, and then summer's mom, my mother-in-law, she flies and then now she's a flight attendant. So she's here 
pretty often and a few times a week to help out. So we're getting we're getting the hang of things and it's going well. It's super fun, man. Tiring but fun. Do the diapers smell yet? Is there is there like a not really? No, I mean, she's still got the new baby, the fresh new. She's like a new baby. They smell, so. but like it's not like an adult smell, you know. Okay, like okay. an adult had the diaper. It's clearly different. <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna get to a point where it's like the diaper change. She's gonna be like, oh man, and then at first it's like, oh, yeah. she she did her diaper. That's cute. We'll, we'll cross that road when we get to it. You know? Yeah. So you go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just gonna say. So you got the diapers under control, but does she keep you up all night? Are you still able? You get some sleep or? Is she hyperactive? No, I'm I'm able to get sleep. We're able to get sleep for the most part. Um, she kind of has this thing now where she doesn't. So she takes naps throughout the day, like in the beginning of the day while we're working and stuff. They're a little bit longer, like an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours. But like as the day grows longer, they're like 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And then she just won't go to sleep for the night until like 10, 30, 11. So like if we try to put her to sleep, at nine or nine thirty, like she'll just wake up in ten minutes and like, nah, you guys can't hang out with each other yet. You can't eat yet. So, <laughs> but then once she goes to sleep at like eleven o'clock or ten thirty, she usually makes it to like six in the morning or something like that. And then, so it's cool. We get our sleep during the night, but during the day, it's a little bit different. Summer played uh, volleyball in college, correct? Correct. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So she played volleyball. You played basketball. Which which direction is the baby gravitating gravitating towards so far? If you're I mean, making early reads on, on it, wow, she sits that's, on the couch and early, watches Matt. basketball with me. She watches hoops. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. I mean, yeah, she watches hoops with me. Um, I think she missed volleyball season though. She wasn't born. She, she did. So. It's coming up though. So yeah, yeah. So she, I'm sure she'll get into that with summer. Um, funny, we had her checkup yesterday, her four month checkup, and. She's like in the 96th percentile for weight and height. So oh, we're assuming she's going to be a, a tall or a, a larger human, you know? What was it? It was, uh, was a larger human. Was <laughs> was Summer, what position did Summer play? Summer was outside she, hitter. Okay. She was an outside hitter. All right. So this yeah. isn't that, that I did not have. So hopefully the baby gets her genetics, you know? <laughs> so and humble. Not my, not my aging knees. So humble. That'll be great. I, 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 yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be quite a battle in the household to see what she uh, latches on to. Cause you know, you were a stretch four. So like that's, there's, there's going to be a, a spot for a modernized, you know, Creighton's mm-hmm. got hybrids now, you know, they can all stretch the floor. So you don't have to be like down in the post and banging uh, around. I, I was thinking like, what if I, what if I was born later? Like, mm-hmm. because I mean, right. Towards the tail end of when I was playing it, I mean, Creighton's always been like that, but like the stretch four, the stretch five is kind of like more of a modern thing in recent yeah. years. So I kind of like caught the end of like the old ish era. Mm-hmm. But like, what if, what if I was playing today? Like, every I feel like everybody's like me. Like, would I even stand out? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, are, that's a valid question. I'm not saying that someone's better than me or I'm better than someone, but like, I think that's what made me an interesting fit for like Creighton when they're recruiting me or, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just so many like that now. Well, I think like, if I'm remembering correctly, I mean, pre, you know, pre knees going into their mid seventies, like overnight, basically you could, you could get above the rim so you could dunk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you could shoot it, but you could play with your back to the basket a little bit, right? Like you had a mid post, game to you if i remember correctly am i wrong about that i don't know you you, you can tell me what you're comfortable with but i felt like you also had a pretty like this, versatile yeah. game like you would probably fit today 
I think my junior my, my junior year and my redshirt year probably more so than my my senior year. I feel like my senior year I'd have just been like a stretch five. Yeah. You know? Like yeah. pick and pop. That was about it. But yeah. Yeah, you would have been the you would have been a stretch five on the 2019-20 team for sure. That the the big east title team, you would have been a five. That was what, 2021? No. Uh 2020. Right before the pandemic. Yeah. Right, they, right, they had right, Christian. Right. Christian at six yeah. seven was playing the five. Denzel at six five was off the bench playing the small ball five. So you was that Jordan's five. senior year or was that yeah. senior year after? No, no, it was Jordan's senior year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, you guys talking about goats? He, Jordan's the only one on here with a with a Biggie's title. <laughs> he walked around yeah. with that trophy so long. <laughs> I think I you sure might still did. have it. Do you have it in there I somewhere? Sure no, nope. I got it. enough. I got a lot of pictures with it. I look back <laughs> at those. Should. When yeah. I need a good smile and we keep it at that because that team, that's what I mean, though. Like that team, I think you would have stood out, though, like Cole, to your point, just because even like on that team, we had Damian Jefferson like playing the four on that yeah. team, like for oftentimes. And I think you even you would have brought something else to the table, like even then just take him like in that sense, because like even coming off the bench, like just the same way, like Denzel Mahoney was six men of the year that year. Yeah, and like was, that was, was right. it, and it, it was because he brought just something different off the bench. That was, I think, a little bit similar to what you brought, like as a player, like with the shooting ability, like. And I think you don't give yourself enough credit, like the trails and all that, like those really <laughs> stretch the floor more than you know, because like especially Denzel coming in for us that year when he came in and like with trail plays that would open up everything for the whole mm-hmm. court, and that's why that would change the game. So yeah, no. Yeah. I did. Yeah, there's, I, there's, did. I, re- I relished in that year. <laughs> there was two things to watch when Cole was playing. It was the rim if JP was going to get there first, or if, and then if if the if the defense was back, it was Cole because he was going to be. Oh, I li- I live for the trail three. Trail three. Wobby used to always find me on the trail three. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um. So we've yeah we've anyway we've had this podcast kind of brewing in the in the stew for a minute. So we we're going to talk about some old topics, but we're going to get into some new ones too. Um. If we have time uh, at the end, we're gonna, Jordan and I will get into our Obi-Wan Kenobi spoilers. We've been chomping at the bit to talk about this show. So now that it's done, it's wrapped. We're going to try to dive into that either on this podcast or the next one. Um, yeah, first, we'll, we'll get to that. First, we want to kick off with the NBA finals that uh, wrapped up recently. Obviously, the Warriors are back. What did, how did Draymond put it? <laughs> it was my favorite. <laughs> I loved it, too, because, it. because you got like, you had Steph up there, got some mic time. Clay got some mic time. Kerr got some mic time. Um, I think their owner got some mic time, right? And all four of them kind of like stuck to that kind of like humble slash appreciative of being back here type of vibe, right? Like they didn't really it, – it wasn't like arrogant. It was all introspective and grateful, yeah? And then Draymond comes up there and immediately is like, it's a Warriors Invitational, we're back, or however he put it. And it was like, this is classic Draymond. I'm so glad he changed the pace up there, stuck to his guns. Um, but yeah, the Warriors are back. They won. They beat the Celtics. So it was kind of like new showtime versus like the old guard, right? Um, Steph got his finals MVP finally. And uh, the reason we bring all this up is because Jordan is also a diehard Celtics fan. So... This is kind of a therapeutic conversation we're about to have in some regard. We're going to break it down a little bit, but I want to give yeah. my man Skur a chance to kind of just let all let it all out. Yeah. Everything he's been bottling up, watching, you know, taking oh, games nice. in spectacular fashion, going up 2-1. 
and then just absolutely having nothing left to stop Steph and the, and the dubs. I love the way you tried to build that up. Like one Oh was like something. In the I thought I accurately that nice. portrayed that, was nice. that finals. It was, you know what I mean? Like you tried to build up a one Oh lead. Like yeah. You front run. And then lead. good try. Oh, came, wow. Yeah. Wow. And now we're front runners. Okay. Well, I appreciate you both for being here as I try to close the page on what was the 2022 season for the Boston Celtics, because it was a wild ride in the playoffs that ended just so like it was, it just ended so badly. And I, I don't think I had an explanation for it for a while. Uh, and I think the, I think the the thing I wrestled with was the fact that I just didn't want to say we folded. And uh, that's what I'm here to say. Like, that's just like, I think at the end of the day, what happened, I have to make that bold claim. If I'm going to make one bold claim and just be a sad Celtics fan for a minute. Uh, that was it. Cause classic, I just did not, classic, I don't know classic, how you guys classic felt. Boston sports take there. We just I like, don't know how you guys felt. I'm, I'm like interested to hear your takes. I really am because I just did not. And this is how I'll, I'll build it up. Like I just did not see in any world and mind you to build this story up even more. This is the first summer I just moved to the, this is the first summer. This is the first time in my life. I can say I live in the city of Boston. I just moved here. As of last May, like this last month. And I was hoping I could get an NBA championship in the city. Then I went when I moved to the actual city. And I just I was I was going outside. I was outside the garden for the finals games. I was there. I was with where Kendrick Perkins and ESPN NBA today. They were outside there recording outside the garden. And I was hyped out there with the fans and the games did not reflect the energy that I thought would be the NBA finals with the Boston Celtics this year. None of them, not even game one, not even winning game one in the lead. You're saying that we not, it, it didn't feel like the way I thought the finals would go. The other series, like we can dive into it more in depth, like the other series, although I didn't feel great about either of them, like it felt like a NBA playoff series. And I think, I mean, you can argue that the Warriors smacked us, but like, I think it was re- like they, it was, it was a fold. It was a fold, man. So I'm well, glad to get that out. I appreciate <laughs> you guys hearing my rant. I'll stop now because so I'm interested. So I really you, am. I really am interested. Like, what, like, what, what way did, did you guys see the finals going like that at all? Would you have said that it would have ended like that before the finals? Like, even a little bit? Like, what was what, what, like, Matt? Get at actually, I'm not asking Matt. We know how Matt thinks. I, I Matt said, said Matt, actually, no, no, Matt said, Matt said Nets in five, first of all. So that was trolling. Anyway, we'll really, get to you. We'll, we'll get to you after. <laughs> but Cole, come on, man. Come on. How, how did you? Did you Cole see the series the Celtics, going that Cole way? Had the no, I had the, Cel- you, I had the Celtics and Saints. I thought they're, from what I've seen all postseason, you know, albeit against teams that weren't maybe 100%. I mean, the way they did, they did Brooklyn, but it turns out Brooklyn maybe wasn't that good. But still, that was impressive. You know, the Bucks without Middleton, that was still impressive, you know, having to deal with Giannis in the seven-game series. And then, you know, going into to Miami and in game seven and, and finishing out there to make it to the finals, like there's a little bit of me that thought this is just written for the Celtics with, with the way that their path is going and, and how it's been. Um, and I also just thought they were better. Like I didn't think the Warriors had really shown me all – like they played against Denver in the first round and like all they did was attack Jokic because he can't guard the pick and roll against the Warriors. Like that was easy work. Uh Memphis was their was their toughest challenge, in my opinion. And then Ja kind of didn't play the last two or three games or whatever. 
So that was that. Um, and then who they play at? Dallas. Like, it's just a Lucas show. And if those guys are making threes and they win, if they don't, they suck. So I didn't really think that the Warriors were tested. I thought the Celtics were. Um, and everything that happened in the finals, like, was opposite of what the, what the Celtics had shown me uh, throughout the playoffs. Like, Grant Williams was nowhere to be found. Uh, Jason Tatum really struggled. Um, Marcus Smart wasn't great. Derek White, his new dad energy was it ran out of time. Like every he need, he, yeah, need, he every, need to call you. You need to call him <laughs> and get him on the good dad vibes. <laughs> he was good for me. a minute. He was okay. He used it. He used it all. He had to yeah. use too much of it in the, in the Heat series. That's what mm-hmm. the issue was. But yeah, I, I honestly thought that that Boston was the better team. I clearly, I don't think anyone took into account that Andrew Wiggins was going to be that type of performer in that series. Um, and, you know, like Draymond didn't play a great clay was up and down. Um, it was really Steph, man, like offensively at least. And, you know, th- those guys picked it up on defense as well. Wiggins did a tremendous job guarding Jason Tatum. Um, but like at the end of the day, Steph was just different. And I don't know. I know that doesn't require a ton of analysis, um, but he just was like, he willed that team. Once, Game four happened and Boston blew that 2-1 opportunity to go up 3-1. I kind of – I felt differently about that series than I did against uh, Miami and Milwaukee where I'm like, oh, you know, Boston has been in this situation before. They'll dig themselves out of this hole. They played with their, their backs against the walls and, like, they usually respond. But it just felt different, man. Like, it was a bigger stage. Nothing that I had really seen earlier in that series was, like, super encouraging, like with the way Jason Tatum was playing and stuff that I've already hit on. And it's Steph, man. Like and it's the Warriors. Like it was just, it was just a different vibe. Um, I'm sure they probably felt like that too. You know what I'm saying? Like the people on the bench, the people on the court. Like I'm sure it, it hits different when, you know, you don't really. There's nothing you can really do. Like when Steph is going and when those guys are playing well, it's almost like you're defeated in that sense. So, um, but I do think it was a good learning experience from them. I don't know if Boston people are trying to hear the whole moral victory thing. Um, I'm I'm interested in seeing like what happens going forward and just to kind of pick Jordan's brain, I guess Matt's too, but Jordan being a Celtics fan, like, are you optimistic going forward? Like, do you leave this playoff run feeling like, okay, we, we have a foundation. We have been to this level. I think we can get back if X, Y, and Z happens, or are you just kind of like, man, we missed the opportunity. The, the Nets might be better next year, such and such. And, you know, kind of just a lost opportunity. Uh, I think I'll answer that. I think there's two parts to that. Like, I think the first is, uh, I think the East is just like, just recently definitely been about like opportunity. Cause like throughout the past years, like that's why I was so high on this year. And that's why I think ultimately, like I'm saying like, Oh, we folded. Like, obviously there's a bunch of reasons. Like then you highlighted them. Well, like I think that the finals ended up being the way they were, but I think this was the year. The reason I was so high was like, this was the year I'm like, okay. Middleton was out, took advantage of that. Like every year, like even going back to the bubble when like Giannis turned his ankle and the Heat made their run, like the East has kind of been who's going to take advantage of the opportunity come playoff time past few years. So that's why I was so high on them this year. Um, I've tried to take a step back and look at a big picture and be like, okay, Jason Tatum is what about to be 24, 25. Like he's young, obviously Jalen Brown still too. 
Um, and so I try not to think the window has closed, but then again, it's like, you know, Middleton healthy next year, Milwaukee comes back. Obviously all these teams heat are going to retool. How are we going to retool? Uh, I have no idea if we even are, um, I mean, there will be something, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think the window has closed. I think it's going to definitely get harder though. Like, I think it's going to be uh, certain adjustments are going to have to be made. Like they're going to have to do something with the roster. Certain adjustments are going to have to be made like with lineups. I like, think like you brought up a good point of like Grant Williams, like even disappearing in the finals, like certain guys like Derek White, like, I don't know if it's going to even take Derek White like a year to adjust with the team. There's a few things, but East is tough now. Like there's, there's a lot of, I guess, teams in contention. Obviously Brooklyn's going to be back. Who knows what that's going to look like, but still it's, it's, I, I don't know how I feel about the East yet. And it's all still up in the air. I think that there's going to be a lot of moves made. So I am, I like to, I'm optimistic about it that I'm like, okay, at least the core is young, but it takes something to happen to win the East in these past few years. You didn't even mention the Bulls disrespectful, um, but I want to. I want. I, I I wasn't surprised the way it went down. I was surprised that Boston got two one. I was surprised that happened. So I was at that point. I was intrigued. Like, okay, you know, Boston's two one at home here. Are they gonna? Because like, but but the thing with them is all playoffs. They had struggled to sustain that home court advantage when they got it. You know, they they fumbled that away a couple times. You know, in the I mean, they almost fumbled it away in game one against the Nets if Jason Tatum doesn't make that ridiculous layup. And they did fumble it away against a shorthanded Bucks team and a banged-up Miami team. Um, so when they got 2-1 on the dubs, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like, game four feels pretty pivotal for them because, you know, if they let Golden State get 2-2, then you're in a best of three with a team that's just got that championship DNA. And I don't know. Is that a crutch? Maybe because you can't really like quantify what that means. But the reason I liked Golden State in this series the whole time was because you watched the way Boston kind of teetered um, through its path and you didn't really love their late game offense like ever. You know what I mean? They they almost fumbled away some some pretty dominant wins their defense set up for them. And then <clears throat> the other part of it that I don't think gets enough credit for the for the Warriors side of things was. Yeah, Boston had the best uh, best defense in the league, but and, and as Cole put it, when we were you know breaking down the finals game by game, like he just loves them from a personnel standpoint defensively. Like he feels like there's a lot of you know plus defenders out there on the floor. So, but Golden State was right there with them. You know what I mean? Like they were the second best defense in the league too, and one of the best in the playoffs as well. So you take that and you're like, okay, these two teams are elite units defensively. Right. Um, obviously golden state has some players that you can isolate and target uh, Jordan pool off the bench, Steph in certain matchups. Um, but when it comes down to two elite defensive teams, then I'm like talking about, okay, well, Steph's the primary facilitator of everything golden state does. Who is that for Boston? It's sometimes Marcus smart. It's sometimes Jason Tatum. It's sometimes Jalen Brown who can't go left and can't uh, create off the dribble. Like, so who do I trust in a NBA finals, high pressure situation where you're facing a loaded up defense that's scouted you to death, that knows your weaknesses and strengths inside and out and is trying to take away everything from you. Who do I trust to execute that? I trust the team that's done it kind of. So it was kind of a cop out to say that I felt like golden state 
was going to get the job done because of their experience. But I think that's what played out. Like you look at their role players, um, Iggy's effect on the finals just from a from a coaching standpoint, a player coach standpoint was I think was important. Uh, you saw Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, who you know has that prospect pedigree as a former number one pick, but he didn't have to be a star in this series. He could play a role in this series. Like think about what Sean Livingston did for those those championship teams, right? Like Wiggins was basically that for them. You know what I mean? He had the mid range game and he could, you know, guard the other team's best player for large stretches. You know what I mean? Uh, and then obviously you have Draymond, who I think is, you know, one of the more unique players of this era in the way he can handle the ball as a five man. Um, and he does all the dirty work, like the amount of screens that man sets for people without getting any kind of, you know, love in return offensively. Cause that's what the whole deal with the big men is. Right. It's like you coach them up to set all these screens and then they need the ball X amount of times to, you know, kind of feel like they're part of the offense. Right. Draymond doesn't need that. You know what I mean? He'll bring the ball up, but he's just trying to make plays that lead to buckets. You know what I mean? Whether it's screening, whether it's uh, passing off cuts, he doesn't, it doesn't matter if he's getting points. I think like a lot of people kind of criticized him because he wasn't scoring, you know, but it's like, that's not his game. Like look at, look at the impact he's having on the, on the defensive end of the floor, especially when he finally started playing well towards the end of the series, like he's boxing out Robert Williams and he's guarding Jalen Brown. Like that's a, that's, you need someone like that to win a championship. Yeah. Boston didn't have that. So I don't know. I just love the, how the pieces fit together. You had a bunch of experience and then the role players all kind of fed off of it. Boston didn't have any of that experience and their role players didn't have anything to feed off of. And they disappeared. Like you didn't know who could you count on other than those, the, the big three, Robert Williams, and then a Forford was going off. Everyone else was just kind of along for the ride. So it takes more than that to win a, championship like that you know so that's why i liked golden state and why i wasn't surprised they got it done especially when steph played the way he did but i think what killed me so much was defensively in the finals for the celtics like what i got the most mad about was a lot of like the because even cole was talking about some of the coverages like with even Jokic that the warriors put them in in that series like what was killing me was like robert williams not being up on a clay thompson dribble handoff like little little things like that in the finals i'm like does robert williams know who clay thompson is like i know i'm being <laughs> stupid here but like little things like that i was like is there and and the reason i bring it up too is because i i've been talking about this all day i'm probably annoying but i was listening to draymond green's podcast the other day or yesterday today and that it was recorded recorded yesterday excuse me and he was saying like how when they played memphis he could tell like when they played in that series like he was like yeah you could tell they didn't understand the moment. And I, I you might feel I, that, I really, right? Like if you're a player, I you believe, might feel when a team is like not yeah. sure of themselves out there. Don't you think? And I think Draymond was like, these guys don't know. Like he was, he talked about it obviously on that podcast, like about how they didn't realize what that moment was like. And I feel like that was the Celtics in the finals. And I say that, especially because I totally agree. like, I, I think Jason Tatum was a shell of himself, but also like, I think one thing that was like brought up earlier was, how bad they were at home. Like the Celtics were bad at home in this postseason. I forget that what the made the, for was. a team that made the finals. It was really surprising. How for a team that made the finals, it was very, it, and it was mind blowing because I know I'm just going back here, but obviously, like to that 2008 finals team with like KG and everything, like, cause obviously, like now I'm in the C. So this is what everyone's like talking about, like, and how I'm high on the vibe. I'm like, this is our year. Like everything's lining up. 
but it was like the team got to the finals and there was a feeling of it's like, yeah, they don't, I don't, I, I've, I felt like at moments, I was like, when I thought Jason Tatum was going to have like a finals game, like put his imprint on a game. And it was like the Jason Tatum game in the finals never happened. And so I hope that's a learning point for this team. I like to be, that's, that's where I like to think I'm optimistic. I hope that they learn from that, look back at this and they're like, yeah, we never took advantage. Like we took advantage of the playoffs. We never took advantage of the finals. And so hated to see it, but hope they can learn. I think, I, I think they've so, got to build out the rest of the roster, man. You know, like they've got to build out the rest of the roster. I, I don't, I don't see a reason why a, a core of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, I mean, I don't know how much longer Al Horford is going to play like this, but if he does and, you know, Robert Williams is healthy, like I think those five are, are really good. Um, but you can't you can't have Peyton Pritchard and Grant Williams and whoever Derek White come off the bench and be like a minus 10 in two, three minutes. You know, what I mean, like the Celtics really just what was it play. Cole was like, what were you what were you saying? Or I think it was game five or maybe it was game six that you couldn't even remember who the sixth man or the seventh man off the bench for Boston was because I didn't even remember that because they had done anything the whole series. Yeah. Yeah, he hadn't done anything at all besides getting into it with Draymond. Um, but yeah, man, like that's that's a lot to ask. Like, especially with a young team who was experienced in their first finals, like to ask them to deal with all of that. I'm speaking of the guys at the top, like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and to just be dog tired because if they come out the game for a couple of minutes, the game might get out of, you know what I mean? Like already mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, like they're going to get better. They just are. They're 24, 25 years old. Those two in particular, Marcus Smart probably still has at least another step to take before he's he's past his prime. Um, but like, you've got to be able to, to have a Jordan Poole come off the bench. And Jordan Poole wasn't great, but he was good enough for two or three games of that series. And, you know, Otto Porter came in and started a couple of games. And, you know what I mean? Like, Gary Payton returned from injury and had his moments. You have to have players that can at least provide 10 to 15 minutes of good, competent basketball and not just be, you know, you put them out there and, and it turns into a clown show. Um, and that's why I was surprised because that, that hadn't happened in the previous series, but you know, Golden State's a, a better team, better coach team, more experienced. Like maybe the moment just got too big, uh, understandably so for the Celtics. But I think that if they can hit on like a free agent or two, or, or maybe add another one or two pieces of depth via trade, like I think they should be in a good position to at least be a, a Eastern Conference Finals team. I would imagine that's not saying they will, but their roster will be as good as, as any. You know, know what else I off. think changes it? Matt, Mr. actually, I'm curious to your take on this, too. What? You know what else I think changes this? Because you're bringing this up. It's a good point. Is, and I I'm, I hate that this is my second reference to the 08 Celtics team that's already milked too much <laughs> in the city of Boston. You had brought but, up a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But you know what I realize how long ago that was, but yeah, go on. I know. It <laughs> was long ago. I realized it this year, but anyway. Um, what I think does, on a serious note, what I think does change the dynamic of this team is and Matt, you brought this up earlier too. Was even like Andre Iguodala's like presence as a championship, like a champion on the sidelines for that Warriors team, like being in Andrew Wiggins' ear. We didn't have that for the Celtics. This year. Like even if you think back to the Celtics team that won in 08, we had like a James Posey off the bench yeah. to be that guy to you well, know Golden like, State, be like Yo, had so I won a championship. Everyone I know that- like I know what this moment is. 
everyone that Golden State wasn't relying on for like top that top flight production, right? To get them into the games, you know what I mean? Uh everyone else was like a journeyman. Think about it. Kevon Looney has basically been with that organization the whole time. So he's been learning from all those guys, right? He had a breakout playoffs. Or I I thought he was the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. Like I, I'm serious about that. Um <clears throat> wait, not the Western Conference Finals. Maybe it was the Memphis series. I forget which one. It was Either, which one was he think, just Memphis? Yeah. I, I think it was the Dallas series. The Memphis yeah, series it was he the came Dallas in series. like that that closing game and grabbed like almost 103 pounds. Yeah, right. I thought, yeah, but I thought he was the MVP of the Western Conference Finals. I was dead serious about that. Um, then you have Otto Porter, who has like <sighs> fluctuated from being like a dude, a top two, three scorer, to like now he's just like a he can like he's like a six, seven most important player on the Warriors. Then you got Jordan Poole, who is breaking out. Uh, who am I missing off the bench for them? There's another one, right? I mean, Iggy's, uh, Bielitsa played the Iggy's presence, bit, Bielitsa, yeah, like yeah. But I mean, look at all those guys. Gary Payton, Gary Payton, yeah, Gary Payton Jr. Like all those dudes are like journeymen. Boston's got, uh, you know, Tatum, uh, Brown, Smart, who are all kind of like entering that prime uh, part of their careers, and then the role players below them are all like inexperienced. They're, they're like less; they have less experience than they are. You can, I don't think you can have it like that. I think you have to have like a veteran presence with your role players to win a championship. It's very hard to rely on rookies to provide that buffer when you got to go to the bench and take like a, an eight minute breather in between quarters, right? The overlap. Uh, it's very hard for rookies to, to hold it together for that long in an NBA finals. You know what I mean? And this is, this is why there's the unfair criticism of Jason Tatum I'll, I'll defend him to this point though in like at least Boston because it's like because of like I think the early success obviously going to like the finals or Eastern Conference finals excuse me in 2016 like going against LeBron and all that they think he's older than he is like even just like here in his NBA career and so I don't think that's like they like that's why it's like yeah you have you have to realize like what that does like having those veterans on your team and having like the balance because it's like yeah although he's been to the eastern conference finals it doesn't mean he's a veteran like you need those guys still in the recipe for a championship so yeah that's how the Celtics roster is going to have to shake out if they i guess want to be better than this okay last topic on the finals how do you guys feel about steph's legacy after this series does it change at all did it change at all for you cole uh yes and no like I don't think I don't think people that are as good as Steph need validation via like an award, like Finals MVP. Like he was already a top ten, top whatever, great. Like without that, now those are more for like the Iguodala's and the Chauncey Billups and you know people like that. So in 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 that sense, like no, but I, I do think like the way that they got to it, like they were. They were good this year, but he wasn't great this year. Like mm, his right. shooting was way down. Um, comparatively know, he, speaking, you know, comparatively com- speaking, yeah. for him, his shooting <laughs> was like thirty-eight yeah. percent or whatever it is is way down, right? Which is crazy. Um, the rest of the team, like clearly, Draymond is it past his prime. Clay Thompson's recovering from injury. Like it was just a different. It was a different team, an older team. Um, I don't know, Matt, if you can like 
compare it to like a um an older Chicago's Bulls team not saying that those teams weren't still great but just some of their players were starting to decline like Pippen wasn't he was getting hurt he was down a little bit just mm-hmm. stuff like that but um but what he did specifically in the playoffs um I think it started in that Denver series when you know he he hadn't played a game for the last like month of the regular season he comes in and you know little things like letting Jordan Poole start while Steph Curry comes off the bench yep. like mm-hmm. that like you can't just you can't gloss over that like there's not very many superstars that would do something like that of Steph Curry's magnitude there and might not be that any just, there might not be any Cole. there's probably not that's, that's, that's he's got a one just, of one in that regard right I would imagine like I I can't see whoever you want to name LeBron LeBron I'm a Michael Jordan mark till I die he would not be doing that (laughs) no their egos are too big Steph Curry's egoless like he lets KD come in and be KD like Steph is one of one like you said Mm. um but the way I, I I know that they didn't play the greatest competition um throughout this not not saying Boston but like a, a Jokic led team with nobody else with like right yeah banged, banged up Denver playing, yeah yeah banged up Denver uh a young Memphis team whatever that uh, lost John show in yeah. Dallas yeah um but just to see like him actually do it post KD which maybe it was a question maybe it wasn't but like we wanted to see it mm-hmm. not to say that we we're doubting it not saying we expected it but like we wanted to see it and he delivered like I, I think that I think that means something. Like everyone wrote off Golden State Warriors. They were a, a lottery team two years ago. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Like they were they were written off when, when KD left. And you know, for for Steph to come back from the injuries he had a couple of years ago, the bad the, the bad shooting slump he was in this year, and deliver how he did in some of the biggest moments. Which honestly, as far as the finals go, we we really hadn't seen him delivered to right. that that magnitude as far as his individual performances goes like you know the closeout games the game sixes whatever um but he did it and like i think that does give a little bit of a boost to his already hall of fame top 10 whatever career um which is crazy to even say but i i do think that like incredibly like i think higher more highly of Steph right now than i did three months ago, which was already like ridiculously high, mm-hmm. but he's just that, like, he's just that good. This was his, this was his LeBron uh, down three, one moment. This was his Paul Pierce moment. This was whatever. Who, Isaiah Thomas. You really, you really reached for that second one. Man. You fell off the map on that. I'm just, throwing, I'm just throwing people out there. Isaiah <laughs> Thomas overcoming the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Lakers uh-huh. and whatever. Like this was his moment. And I, I thought it was super impressive. So you know, from, from as a Clippers fan, it's not always Jordan. Jordan, what do you think? Did did this did this uh, playoff run finals culmination? Did it change uh, anything you thought of Steph before? Yeah, I d- I definitely do for a lot of the reasons like Cole highlighted because I think especially like in like the sports just debate with this, there's something to be said. He won with like the same trio, obviously with him, Clay and Draymond. Won with Harrison Barnes, KD, and Andrew Wiggins. And I think there's just something to be said about that. There's something to be said about how he won it after like the injury, after they were like kind of like in the playing game last year, where he was still balling, still doing his thing. But it was like, can he? Steph really 
carry its team. And I know like that narrative was there. And I even played into that a little bit where I was like, I don't know, like, cause being even a like LeBron guy in the finals where it was like Steph versus LeBron, I was like, yeah, no, Steph couldn't do what like LeBron could do. And it's like, yeah, no, he, he, he kind of can like in terms of carry a team this year. So I think he showed that. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I agree. Like different team. And it's, I don't know. I think it's cool. Maybe you saw this with the bulls, even like it's cool to see a team win in different ways, man. Like I, this team was, I just, I find this team so much different than the first warriors team was that in 16 to win it. Like I, I find this team so drastically different. I think Steph's even different, like of a player. Like I look at him differently and I think, that's what he kind of proved in this playoffs for sure. And got that finals MVP. So I know that's going to mean a lot, obviously, when you get to talking about those debates, I know it is for the guys who like randomly win it sometimes, but I think when you have guys like in the goat debate, like I think Steph will ultimately be in like that finals MVP help. So definitely thanks for boosters resume. Uh, yeah. For me, I think it makes him top five all time on my, like, in my opinion, um, I, I I can't go back much further than the MJ era. So, you know, um, if there's any like true old heads out there listening to this and find my like disrespect of like Kareem, no love and, for Bob Cousy. Yeah, <laughs> I believe me. He was I'm not, playing against plumbers <laughs> and firemen. Cole, I disagree with that strongly, JJ Redick. But anyway, I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean to disrespect the old the old guard. You know what I mean? But I just, I just don't, I just think it's about Steph's uniqueness and his success level. Like he's done it in a way that I don't think any other superstar has ever done before. Just with, like he doesn't, he doesn't command the um, attention of an alpha, but he is one. Like he's a straight up killer, but it, I don't think, I don't know what the secret sauce is, but I just know. Um, he's people thought people, you know, I think what this series did was it made everyone who thought he was deferring to KD and riding coattails of a, of a, of a generational talent in that regard to championship success. I think it, it flipped that narrative on, on its head. And I think people started to realize Steph was the key cog in that whole thing because of the way he deferred because of the way he accepted like, Hey, Look, you can come in and they're going to like defenses are going to be all over me. You know what I mean? Because they have to guard me out to here. That's going to allow you to thrive. So just, you know, blend in and, you know, we'll have we'll, we'll succeed together. Right. Like the, the we will we will flourish as a team together if you just embrace, you know, what we're what we're about here. And I think to see that he did that with a different core now. Um, with Katie gone is important and the finals MVP enhances it a little bit. Cause I don't think you can be like top five all time without having that like on your resume. So yeah, I think, you know, although he's played like that to a degree before um, and you could argue, maybe he's, he's minus one in that category already uh, getting Ooh. that is getting that is getting that is big. You know what I mean? It's, it's huge for him because it's the it, it was the missing piece, right? He had won everything else. Um, that was the last part of it. And I think the way he remade himself too to kind of be ready for a post-KD world where and a, and, a, and a world where Clay is 
coming off of an ACL and an Achilles and where Draymond isn't what, um, you know, maybe is on the downside of his prime uh, and you just don't have any other people you can depend on um, other than yourself and the attention you have to command. Like physically he put his, he got his body in a different state of um, physicality to handle that yeah. workload than before he- in his career. So this series put him, I, I, it's LeBron. I mean, it's LeBron, MJ, uh, Magic, Bird, Steph. Like, those are the five greatest players I've ever seen. Like, I'll I'll put those five together in any kind of combination of whatever, and you're it's it's that's I feel like that's unimpeachable that group to me. So this and this series did that for. I felt like real. I after watching it, I felt super confident that he belongs in that group. You know, over like the Sha- over the Shacks, over the Kareems, over the the Hakeem's, the KDs, like all those types of players that you feel like were. Um, you know, uh, unguardable to an extent, you know what I mean? It, in their eras. Um, I just think Steph, what the way he's done it is so unique and it's hard to argue with his success right now because he won it again. Um, that's that he's, he's in that class for me now. Like that's it's, it's etched for me. I also think it's like, Cool, and I think actually I'm, I'm interested in your take on this because obviously we're both washed up now. I guess, well, I guess I'm washed up. You're, you could still hoop. You were a pro, but like honestly, what do you what do you make, bro? What do you make of his like? Because I definitely don't think I would have made like like his. He got in better shape, like in late. Like he's stronger now. He seems to be in better shape. Like I remember even in the finals when he was going up against Kyrie and his knee was bugging him and everything. What do you make of like how well he's trained his body? Cause like he's been in the finals, like what was it? Six of the last eight years. Like that yep. means you're playing 120 games. You're playing way more games than the majority of the league. How are you still like taking care of your body to that? I said, obviously he's not the type of dude that's out here being like, I'm spending all this money on my body, but like still it, it's a testament to his success, like success, obviously now, like, yeah. How- what do, what, do you, what do you make of it? Like, Honestly, like, kind of speechless. I, I really don't know how to fathom that he can – he already had the ankle and foot injuries to begin his career, which we thought was going to kind of be the story of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, to not really deal with that anymore. And I think that, you know, I, I put out a tweet not long ago during the finals. I was like, is Steph the, like, most well-conditioned basketball player ever? And, like, clearly I don't know that because I've been watching basketball as long as it's been around. Like, I think there's a difference in – clearly there's a difference in the way that he plays and a James Harden or LeBron plays. Like, yeah, they might be playing 40-plus minutes. They might play the whole 48. They're walking the ball up the court. They're very opportunistic. They're picking out switches and one-on-one and ISO and and matchup hunting. Like, Steph is like this, 82 games a year. Mm Mm-hmm all throughout the playoffs, all throughout the finals. And that's how the Warriors have to play. Because if, if Steph isn't playing like that, the Warriors' offense isn't going to function the way it needs to. So it's not like he can take games off, take, you know, spurts of, of, of games off, like, throughout the series. Like, he ha- that's his responsibility. And, like, it's one thing for him to be – for someone like J.J. Redick to be doing that, where they're just doing that to run floppy actions and space the court for other people, like – he's the focal point in their offense. I just think it's crazy that, you know, 
not only like he has the stamina and he's not out of breath, but like his legs, I don't, I really don't understand how his legs are able either. to sustain all that, like his knees. And then even if his knees aren't hurting, like how are his legs not tired when he's getting into his jump shot? How's he finishing at the rim after running around for 20 seconds? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Like, how is he holding with... off Al Horford going to the basket in game and, and six that, of the NBA the other thing. finals? Like he, he built up his strength too. Like he's not getting bullied on post post switches. And, you know, when people drive, he takes it in the chest, he's getting steals. He's holding his ground. Like I put him up there with, I mean, boxing is a different sport, but like, I would imagine that a boxer is, is the top whatever yep. percent of the world conditioned after, you know, for 36 minutes and throw punches and stuff. And like, marathon runners but like they don't have to shoot and defend and do stuff they're just running like step is up think. there man and, and think on the fly and guard like the best players in the world like it's a competition you know what i mean so right i don't know i i guess i said i, I didn't know how to explain it but i guess i just did like no i think i don't think we'll play. see it we're, we're not gonna see another step like i know no we say we're not gonna see another lebron which is true lebron is a one-of-one it's hard to imagine seeing another Jordan, hard to see another Shaq, but like we're not going to see another stuff. I just don't, I don't think so. And, and if we do, it won't be for long. Whoever it is, is not going to last 14 years, however long Steph has been playing. It's incredible, years. man. It's, it's incredible. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Shout out to him. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, this next topic I wanted to, to tackle today. Um, it's kind of an NBA offshoot, but it's more of in the analytical realm. Um, obviously, <laughs> there's this like kind of whole like new media, old media beef. I don't know why it's called new media. I'm not. I'm not quite sure on how that latched on. I, I think Draymond just started yelling it, and then everybody keeps saying it. So, because like they've have a definite, athletes do you want have the been, definition. Do you want well, the athletes definition? have been yeah. Give me the definition because I don't really understand. Athletes have been doing the analyst thing after their careers are over like the whole time. So what's the what's the new media designation? How does it? So I think the official definition, as it shakes, like at least in what I've listened to from the Draymond Green podcast, that's my source, um, has been like he's saying like there's obviously like like the old media in the sense of. There's a lot of the these old guys like and people who view the game in this old way that like get upset at how guys like work out together and stuff. Now, best way to put it is like, damn, I hate to come at my own city right here, but like a Bob Ryan, for example. Okay, a Bob Ryan is upset at the NBA because he's like a Draymond Green would get like punched in the face in 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 the the age when I was a reporter or whatever. These are like things he likes. He doesn't say this explicitly, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. The old media is that like, oh, you wouldn't fit well in what the old NBA was. So the new the old media is writing about like the new NBA in the sense of it's like you don't fit like this is out of place. This is not whatever. And the new media, I guess how Draymond wants to put it, is the people that get the current, I guess, like ecosystem of what the NBA is now and how guys feel about each other and how it's different from back in the day and how writers are or be like be writers and old media. This is how he lumps it in is still hung up on what was the NBA back in the day. And is not lead, not, not leaving, I guess, a, a door open for what is the new media, the new NBA. Okay. 
that makes a lot of sense. It, it actually ties in pretty good then to what we, what I think we're going about to, to talk about here because the reason it popped into my head, I didn't, I didn't originally want to talk about this, but watching the Kyrie Stephen A back and forth today was, you know, like Kyrie finally had enough. <laughs> and I don't honestly, I don't know why more athletes don't because like, especially with a guy like Stephen A and here's why I'm coming at Stephen A. Um, Cause like, he's not the first person to do it. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, he's just, I don't know. I don't know why it's, why it's become what it has become with him kind of spearheading it a little bit. Um, but he just, he just, he's just very, I don't even know any other way to put it, but he's just very rude. And I just feel like there's a better way to be that other than just trying to piss people off all the time and be a jackass. Like he, he'll trash people. And that's, that's analysis now. Like that's, a lucrative, profitable career. And, and, and here's why, here's why in the past and in terms of defining old media, why it was something that players just had to kind of like suck up and, and get used to was because the people, especially writers and, um, you know, pundits on talking on talk shows and things like that. And and in radio, they, they, even, even in all of their, criticism they still had the crutch of not being like paid on the level of a of an athlete so you could still say that your criticism as a pundit is coming from the place of a of a fan right and and that the athlete just has to kind of absorb it and get used to it it's part of the deal steven it makes 12 and a half million dollars a year i just went through and like just before we started doing this and just to see where that would rank on the NBA payroll. Like he'd be in the top 100. So there are like 350 some odd players that are getting paid less per year than Stephen A. Smith. And he trashes these people. So that crutch doesn't exist with him anymore. And the reason I'm coming at him is because he creates, he cultivates a toxic um, environment for sports talk. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I should have, um, more of a right than he does to criticize like you guys because I make peanuts and you know what I mean? But like, I just think there's a respectful way of going about like if Cole's having a bad game, there's a, there's a, there's a way you can talk about Cole having a bad game without being like, he didn't show up. Cole Huff needs to be better. You know what I mean? Like where you just put the weight of the world on that player's shoulders and you know, because in social media era now, if Stephen A says it, uh, uh, thousands of fans are saying it and then the player just feels the weight of that so where are you guys since you're former players now in the media space where are you on just the the playbook that is um deployed by pundits um you know in terms of um, like that's the way we create conversation around sports now i'm not a, i'm i'm not a fan of it like i try to watch as little first take what you know skip and shannon whatever those type of shows as possible like of course i'll see it because i'm on twitter and if stuff is clickbaity enough we're, we're gonna see it um but i i think it's it's easier for me to not mind it when i'm not the one at being being attacked like 
Kyrie's constantly being attacked. Every NBA or NFL, whatever player is is being cast to the world as something that this one or two individuals may make it seem, even if it's not a reality. Like I think it's fair for them to be able to to clap back. And I actually have grown to really like when they do. Like I mm. I like Kevin Durant on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like I know a lot of people will say, why are you paying Stephen A this much attention? Yeah, like he's too thin. You're above this. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, why not? You know what I mean? So I, I I'm and that leads to the beef stuff. And I think that the beef is I'm not gonna say it's corny, but it's like, why are we like why are we doing this? You know what I mean? Like it's taken away from what's actually going on in the sport. It's actually taken away from what's being broken down and what's being analyzed in, in, in the game and on the court and on the field. Um, but then, uh, but then at the same time, like, I, I don't like it, but if Stephen A is making $12 million a year to be like this, like, can you blame him? Like, yeah, like what? I, mean, I, I, I did. <laughs> like, should that be, should that be a reason? Like, okay. that's, that's, that's the but question. No, that, it, I, shouldn't, okay. it shouldn't be. Yeah. So, but so here's what I think. <clears throat> why the only reason I'll interject is because where I agree with you, Matt, is that I do think if you're the Stephen A's of today, and mm-hmm. I mean this, like I've thought about this a lot because I, I, I do like the show. Like I definitely do watch the sports debate shows and all that. Mm-hmm. And I understand that it stemmed like Stephen A and all these guys, it stemmed from a very toxic place of like the sports debate shows. And that's kind of what it's carried into. Yeah. From, it's it's from talk radio and top, shock. Exactly, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I agree. I, I completely agree that when you're making $12 million a year as someone who's going to be on TV every day and criticize a professional sport, you should have more of a responsibility to treat the people that you're criticizing and talk, talking about every day for a living more human than you do. However, I think the problem with a, the Steve, a Stephen A comes from he is a personality and what he's getting paid $12 million for aside from the fact that he shows up and does his job consistently is that he is a personality. He's been an actor. He's been on soap operas. You can look it up. Like he is, he's literally a soap opera like actor. He's that type of person who happens to talk about sports. Right. And I think it's tough when it's a personality who talks about people because it's then you have to mix those two things in and that's where it gets frustrating. That's where it gets dicey. That's where it gets like, something like you can't just go off talking about this person needs to be better this person when you don't might not know the whole story whatever but then again that's why they're paying him that money just to be that personality so i think knowing that is half the battle and how you analyze what these people are talking about i think you have to know who they are as a personality even and not as people more so and like what they're job is on an ESPN or a Fox sports, whatever it might be. And so that's why it's tough. But I agree. Like, I think the main point is with that, where I agree with you is yeah, they have, they need to have, like, if you're going to be someone who's going to be on a sports talk show or whatever, or ESPN first take, whatever it might be, you have to have more of a responsibility to talk about these people like humans and not like you're just someone paid to talk like about people just because your personality. I agree with that. That's what the new media is, right? Or I think at least like the JJ Reddicks of the world and the Richard Jefferson to a certain extent, like the former players 
that can actually come onto these shows and break down the set and talk analytics and actually inform the audience of what is actually going on on the court. And obviously, you know, with that, with, you know, them being former players, they can get into, you know, locker room stuff and things that are behind the scenes that the average person may not know. But I think that's a part of what the, the quote unquote new media is, or at least is gearing up to be. Um, there's some figures that are more, I'm not going to call them figures. There's some players that are more bold, like a Draymond Green in the way that they talk about the game and the way that they may respond to criticism and whatnot. But I think that the new media is just that, like players, coaches, whatever, coming from a place of, oh, I've been there and done that. I know what I'm talking about. We're going to actually analyze and break down things in a way that, um, what did you call uh, Stephen A? A character, a... Just, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how you... I don't remember, it, yeah. What did I even call? Personality. What, what call personality, TV personality. Yeah. The way a, a TV personality would. And, you know, I think as social media and stuff continues to take over, like, the the people that are there for the clickbaity stuff and the hot takes and whatnot are slowly going to become more educated on matters because of what's what's taking place now. That those are just my thoughts. To, I don't know if I'm wrong or not. But no, I, I like where you're coming from. You know, I and the and the reason I part of the reason I bring it up was I I I you know so much of the of my ire is directed towards Stephen A and just like and Skip and just the way they kind of created this like i don't know but the one thing that i am a little bit concerned about maybe for um the near future because i do see it already happening is like it goes back to my point about when you're talking about millionaire athletes and you're just like an everyday joe you know like that's the whole pros versus joe's dynamic it's like you know, because because I I remember feeling like when LeBron uh, lost, remember when LeBron lost to Dallas in 2010, 2011 was twenty eleven, twenty eleven, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think there was a there was a moment after that series where he was asked in, in his press conference about um, just you know the criticism of falling short, and you know his response was kind of like. <laughs> these people have to go back to their lives after, you know, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I get to be LeBron James, essentially some, someone to that effect. And, and I remember thinking like, you can't, I don't know if that's, that's, that's might be too low. I mean, I think you're flying too low there. That, you know what I mean? Because now you're talking about people that literally are like putting money in your pocket. Right. If he's, if he's coming at like, again, someone who's making the millions to do that professionally, different, different dynamic. The reason and the reason I bring this up now, sorry, I went on a little tangent there, but I'm already seeing a little bit with the NIL stuff in college is like I, I just I'm seeing a, there's like a, a, a just that toxicity with people that are like, you know, who are they to command this? And like, why are they worth this? Like that kind of thing that's going to translate into performance when it fluctuates. Like if you have an athlete who is who has been publicized to be making X amount of figures for this deal. If they don't perform to that standard of whatever people figure that dollar amount should command in terms of performance, they're going to get 
a lot of criticism. They're going to get criticized like a professional athlete, basically. In, as in, in, as an 18-year-old who went three for 11 or whatever it was and then has a final in the morning, they're going to get criticized like that. And that the weight of the world, it's going to be, it's going to be magnified to a degree that they probably haven't been through before. Maybe the social media era of person is ready for that because you know if you have an online presence you're kind of always absorbing that to a degree and maybe you're even that yourself like maybe you know when a player is watching a game as a fan they kind of feel that you know that critique coming out of them where they can you know put that hat on a little bit and i wanted to ask cole and then jordan because you guys are in the media space now as former players like cole i remember got you know i know my mentions were always you know there was a lot of criticism of cole when you know especially later in your career when you were battling the knee problems you know when your performance your performances would fluctuate and people would be like you know why is cole huff in the game like what is going on here how can he score 20 other night and you know not even take a shot tonight like that kind of thing and then jordan you know when you're trying to assess like the locker room and the team is struggling and the you know everything in the mentions is just like why are you guys losing three in a row what's going on here like how did you guys handle um public criticism especially when it came from like the people you thought were backing you like the you know the eighteen thousand that you felt like were were in your corner always how did you how did you handle that um for me i don't know if you remember or not but like when the season would start i would just log out of the social media and that was my way of not dealing with people even though like eventually you just weren't a part of it at all you didn't see it hear it nothing you just took it but like if it were if it was big enough like i didn't have to be on there to hear about it like i remember one game uh against arizona state i missed a a couple of free throws i missed a game when they shot and like i'm not on social media but like i know like i don't have to be on social media to know that everyone's pissed and that you know if i go uh to a restaurant after the game that night or the next day like like I'm not I'm not an idiot. So I tried to not deal with it by completely eliminating it. But I don't think that's necessary. I, if I could do it again, I, I I wouldn't do it that way. I don't think that's for everybody. Um, you're kind of putting yourself in a bubble and, and not living in the moment. I think it kind of takes away from the experience of being a college athlete, um, just trying to be um, so hidden and so in your own world and and not distracted. But I think that some people, some people thrive off of the the distractions and some people need that, that noise to a certain extent, obviously, you know, you don't want people being idiots and and whatnot and calling out your family and doing stuff like that, that probably more like the professional athletes deal with than than the collegiate athletes. But like, yeah, man, like I wasn't a teenager at the time, but like, I would imagine that, you know, you give so much, not you give so much that the, the younger players, they earn so much. Like I'm looking at this Creighton team from the season ago, a lot of freshmen. Uh, now they're going to have a lot of expectations on them going into year two and knock on wood, but like if a couple of bad games happen or if there's an injury or something, like they're going to feel that that weight of, you know, the pressure and the fan base and whatnot. And just because they are, benefiting from their own likeness and you know the nil and whatnot like that has nothing i i don't think that has anything to do with player performance like i know a lot of people were bashing draymond green for having his podcast during the playoffs and during the finals 
It's like, bro, like I, I saw something on Twitter. It's like, bro, Michael Jordan was gambling to like five in the morning before playoff games. Facts. Like he was facts. Dennis Rodman was going to Vegas. Like I, I I'm not trying to beat up on your bulls or anything, but like, I mean, all like, true points so far. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that doesn't have anything to do with player performance. Like he's not out getting drunk. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. And like when those things happen, okay. Like you're right to, you know, look into it, but like, just because a player has an ador- endorsement now or is doing their own thing with a, with a podcast or a show, like I'm I'm just not here for all that, man. I know, I know like that's not, you can't, you can't avoid that. Like people are going to have their opinions, but um, especially I have a soft spot, especially for like the the amateurs and like, they're just kids. So I, I'm going to be sensitive towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know how you feel about that, Jordan, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at with things. Yeah. Jordan, where do you, where did, where did, where, where was, Ooh. how did you compartmentalize um, criticism when you, when you, when you, when you noticed it. So I think I'm about to give the realest answer I've ever given to this question. Okay. Cause I've really now thought about it for me. Cause it obviously was very different for me. Like any of the, like I never obviously got like direct criticism in my playing days or anything like that. And I never really cared like who would say whatever on Twitter. I was never one to like delete my social media, like before season, whatever I wanted it. Because like, for me, I was like, there's going to be more positive than negative on here being an optimist. Like I'm like, Oh, I'll see the positive. So I won't just look at the negatives, but realistic. What I found out quickly was what I started to care about was not all the whoever saying like whatever on Twitter or anything like that. It was the like articles. I would think that Mac or some of the coaches would read about our team like the actual published ones, like an actual like Omaha World Herald, like something that was like real that Mac would read about our team or someone reels analysis, like in the media from that standpoint. And so those were the only ones that would be like, because if there was like, I don't know, maybe a scrimmage where I didn't like, I'm trying to earn minutes early in the season. And it's like a scrimmage where there's only like one writer at, and I know Mac's going to read that or something. That's the stuff I would be like, all right, I got to read this because maybe he'll read this or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> but and but but like that's why I think and honestly I mean like that's that that's kind of where I was with it and I don't I don't think that's I think that's healthy I think to a standpoint because that's just real but I think to kind of go further even on that point what I think even we were getting at even more so with the new media like when we were talking about that is there should be some type of and I'm like directly ripping this from even something Draymond Green said about this man was. I think there needs to be more of like a partnership with the media and athletes. Cause for one, it's like people like Stephen A, like if, if the media isn't as important as it is, people like Stephen A and people in the media don't end up making $12 million in the sum of money they do. And NBA players to that extent don't make the money that they do on the back end. Like guys don't sign supermaxes for millions of dollars if like the media like isn't covering them the way that they do. But there needs to be like more of a partnership with it, even to a collegiate standpoint where it's like why are we not like we're in this together basically like people who are writing about Creighton who are Creighton fans who claim they're Creighton fans and their writers or claim they're whoever fans of whatever NBA team and our writers like I, I think there needs to be more there, there's like definitely a partnership there there I, that I don't think has been spoken on yet and I think that's I think where we're getting with the new media because I think we're in this together so 
I say I, we'll, we'll see where it gets. NIL complicates it, I think, with college sports, but I think there definitely needs to be some type of partnership because we're in this together. Yeah, I just want to bounce back to Cole real quick. Uh, and then again to you, Jordan, because I was cu- I'm curious about now that you guys are like kind of more ingrained in the media side of things, right? As you get further and further away from your, you know, the when as the you know, as the college uh games in your mind become less vivid, right? Um do you blend how you think a player would feel into your analysis of a certain situation at all? Like, do you think when you're talking about this X, Y, Z, do you think about how it would have made you feel if you convey it a certain way, or is that not part of what you do? I think so to a certain extent, like I'm not going to take the Stephen A or uh, Stephen A, whoever. I know it's my fault for making that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm stuck in my head now. The shock jock, the shock jock style. Yeah. Yes, I'm not. I'm. I don't ever want to be the guy to go use my platform to call someone a bum, or use my platform to say someone sucks or someone's trash and they don't deserve this and that. Like, I think there's a way that you can analyze the game, like politely, and you know sometimes the the conversation may get more heated and whatnot and more animated, but I when I'm evaluating whatever happened in the game, I'm talking about a player, um, his potential, her potential, this and that. Like, I just always make sure that I don't get rude in my analysis of what is going on. Cause I do think about myself, like that's that, like, that wouldn't make me feel good whether they hear it or read it or not. Like, I don't feel like a good person going to those extremes. Now I I try to be that way in, in all like, all areas of analysis, even when I'm not on a podcast, I'm just talking with my homies and stuff. I'm not, I'm not trying to like call people trash and whatnot, but like definitely not going to use my platform, especially when, you know, I always look at it as, wow, it's crazy that I can sit here and call this dude trash for how he played, but he's in the NBA and I didn't make it or, you know what I mean? Like I have this, I have a little bit of humility to me in that, in that regard. So I, I just kind of take that approach when I'm, when I'm doing those type of things. Yeah. We'll have to see how you got, how you, how you morph, uh, you know, 20 years down the line when you, especially when you, if you ever analyze more college players, were like, you know, <laughs> I was better than that dude. Like you don't do it like I do it, you know? Um, but Jordan, no, I'm curious. Cause you're like, you're usually kind of, you know, you always kind of absorb or just exude positivity in general, but I'm just, I'm, I'm curious as you, uh, you know, get more um, into the analyst side of things. Uh, what, what do you, how do you see it from your perspective, yeah, no. from that perspective, as, as opposed to when you were a player? No, I think there, I definitely think there's a respectful way to do it. Uh, I think like Cole talked about it a lot. It's like, I think any like on the court, a lot, everything, maybe like being critical of someone's game, especially in talking about the game of basketball. I think like that's obviously fair grounds. Um, but it's like all the other stuff. It's like, I never, especially you try not to dive too much into the other stuff, especially like personal decisions, people's families, life like that. Like I try to stay very far away from that kind of stuff and just be like related to the game of basketball. Cause at the end of the day, it's like what Cole was saying. It's like, I, the highest level of basketball, I play high level division one basketball. Like, and that's where I feel like my, where I provide value in any type of conversation about that. I don't think I even provide any type of value giving you my critique, even on, 
you know, a Kyrie's life or anyone's life outside of basketball in that sense. So I don't know. I try to find the balance and try to just be respectful with whatever. You don't, I you don't think we should Even have FBI investigations for players who don't play well in a, in a game six or game seven? You know I mean, is that what you're saying? No, no. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I don't know. That's man. a direct I, quote. I, I'm, not, I'm not making it up. I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I think there's definitely, there's a respectful way to, about, way to go about it. Obviously I'm, hype guy so i understand sometimes the antics behind it but like i i, I think there's even when you want to be animated in any conversation about that too i think there's a respectful way to go about that and not call somebody a bum or not call somebody like a loser or to demean someone in any way like i think there's just a way to go about it and hopefully like that can be the new media i guess okay and like if you're gonna be like that though like like be like that. Like if you're gonna be like that online, mm-hmm. if you like yeah, if you're gonna be a person. hater, be a hater. Like go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like embrace it. Like in person, all hours of the day. When you cross that person, whatever setting you're in, like if that's how you want to do your media, do your media that way, and be it. But I know, like for me, I wouldn't call some. I wouldn't sit up here on this podcast with you guys and say someone is is trash and they shouldn't be in the NBA and all this. Because when I see them in person, I'm not that type of person that that exudes that kind of energy. Exactly. Like, I'm, like just if, if you're Stephen A. and you're like that online and on TV, and you're like that in person, by all means, like you know, I, I guess I can respect it if that's how you are. So it's just about keeping it real, like, then, whether it's good or keep bad. It, keep it real. I don't think you should be that way. Mm-hmm. To be fair, like, but like if you are that way, like don't fake it. Like don't be don't half-ass it. Like be that way all the time. Stand on it. Stand, <laughs> Stand on, on it. it. Say it with Stand your chest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. yeah, I got you. No, I appreciate I appreciate your guys' perspective on that because you do have. Uh, I don't know if you're wearing both hats now at these days, but you definitely have both hats in your closet. You know what I mean? Because you know what it felt like to be the targets, like some, like and now you know what it feels like to kind of aim. for Definitely have one hat in my closet. <laughs> I'm not. I do not have the basketball yeah. playing hat. This the only hat I got on. Far too freaking humble, off. making me sick with this humility. Um, let's uh, let's let's uh, jump into uh, let's give people our crate and fix here, even though it's the off season still. Um, this is going to be a very very unique year for both of these teams. I, I, as I'm getting closer to uh, trying to wrap my mind around, I. I I don't know. Like when I'm when I'm when I'm going into a season, I try to like, you know, break down the roster individually and be like, okay, what stories do I feel like are you know, feel like are worth fleshing out here, and and what's going to be, what do I feel like is the prevailing narrative of this team, and not because I because I I'm always kind of really careful about if I know I have a following, I know that I have the um, potential to create a narrative that gets followed right so i'm very cognizant of doing that in an accurate way like i don't want to say like oh yeah this is going to be a really really special xyz season if i don't feel that way because then it's then you're entering territory where you create an expectation level that if you don't believe it's there and you're just trying to generate um some kind of buzz around your coverage for it that's really that's really tough because you gotta you gotta keep that consistent like cole said you gotta you have to you can't waver on that, and that ref- that has to be reflective in your coverage of the team. If you feel like they're at this level, you have to cover them like that's the baseline expectation, right? Um, 
So for these two teams, and it's 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 especially unique for Flan's team. We'll get to them uh, after the men, but for the men, it's unique too because I don't know if they've started a year started a year with this kind of expectation. They've they've like the 2016-17 team got it pretty quick after a couple games. You guys like oh that looks like a top ten squad, you know. Um, 2019-20 as the second half of the year rolled on. Oh, that's a top 10 squad for sure. But before the year started, I don't know if it was necessarily at that point. This team, minus Ryan Hawkins, minus Alex O'Connell, and a whole host of sophomores that everybody kind of expects to make a jump into college basketball kind of superstardom, if you will. Um, in ESPN's latest way too early, top 25 for 22-23 is seven. Like, I think they're sandwiched in between Duke and kansas or duke and kentucky um and the fan base knows it (laughs) like it's latched on because it as soon as the season ended basically as soon as baylor shireman um the south dakota state transfer committed uh like all of the national pundits were like oh yeah this is a top five top ten squad a national championship dark horse etc and i don't know if if, if anyone's listening to this podcast, that's kind of younger in age and try, trying to figure out like what that means for Creighton. They've been to one sweet 16 in the last 50 years, never been to an elite eight, never been to a final four, never won a national championship. So basically their starting point, their starting point is already higher than ever they, than anything they've ever achieved. So I guess the question at this point in time right now, before we analyze things in more a more constructive manner, once we see, you know, once we get to watch them practice and play and things like that is fair or foul on these Jays being a top five, the top 10 team based on what they have returning. Um, it's, it's collective age and experience level and what, you know, what it means in terms of setting the baseline for expectations for them. Uh, Cole, as our guest, you can start. We're polite that way. Fair, I think. I mean, fair. Okay. Yeah. Why not? They, I know they only went to the second round last year, but you have to put into perspective all the injuries that they dealt with. Um, everyone that they have coming back, Kaluma, Nemhart, uh, Roddy, Cogburner. And then you add someone. I said Roddy before ask. Trey. That's interesting. 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 Trey, you there first. You said Roddy before Trey. Okay. I'm gonna write Bro, let my man live. I'm going to write that down. Let my man live. <laughs> Trey, Trey right. if you listen to this, my bad, big guy. Um, and then you add in you add in Baylor. And then, like, we know it, but I don't know, like, how much the world really respects Mac as a coach. Like, Mac is a, Mac is a great college basketball coach like i played for a lot of coaches in my career whether that's high school two different colleges overseas whatever like nba summer league like i think mac is the greatest offensive coach that i've ever played for like his ability and now like with the with the talent he's used to having with players that can shoot um that can do a few different things on the offensive end um like i think there's going to be so much that is going to be unlocked with this team that we didn't get to see last year. And the fact that last year they were able to be so good without the usual um, kind of talent or skill set around. Like, I, I'm not going to say the sky's the limit with this team, but I absolutely think a top 10 preseason ranking is deserving. And 
you know, I think I think they're going to be just fine. Injuries aside, knock on wood. But yeah, right. That's that's I, yeah, yeah. That's always that's the thing with everyone, though. You know, yep, like exactly. Aside, but I, I I don't have an issue with it, and you know, I know sometimes fans can look at it on both ways. They can be super hyped that their team is a top ten team and kind of brag and boast about it. And then some don't like to deal with the expectations. They're like, oh, don't talk about this yet. We, we kind of enjoy being the sleeper uh-huh. and sneak up on people. We don't want all these expectations to, to be great every game and whatnot and deal with the disappointment. But it's a good it's a good spot to be in. I never I never dealt with that. Like you said, um, that 2016-17 team, we ended up being the top 10 team. Like, I think maybe after one of like the Paradise, whatever, the Virgin Islands, I don't know. It was a long time ago, but we ended up being a top yeah, 10 team. In, it was Virgin Islands. Yep. Virgin Islands. There you go. Um, but we didn't. Weren't you the MVP of that tournament? Weren't you the MVP of that tournament? He was the MVP of Vegas. Marcus Foster. That was Marcus. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Marcus, I get the Marcus Foster was nuts in Virgin Islands. My bad. I yeah. sometimes get years yeah. confused. Yeah. Yeah. Cole, was, Cole was the MVP of Vegas. That's why he walked out of the I don't good energy in Vegas. Y'all got it. I don't even remember that I was saying now, to be honest. So, all right, but no. So, yeah, so uh, yeah, Jordan. I'll, I'll take it for you. Yeah, Sorry, I interrupted. You and I, Jordan, last year spent a lot of time because. Yeah, so this is what just, I was going to get into. It's just like Cole said, because last year was basically like a gravy year. Everybody's yeah. young. Everybody's inexperienced. No one knows nothing. Uh, it's it's like, you know, you got a blank slate. Make, up, make, make of it what you are. And we were saying the whole time that they're underrated, that Max underappreciated, that you're crazy for picking Creighton. Eighth in the preseason in the Big East. That's just outlandish. The man has deserved a yeah. higher floor than that, right? The floor is gone a, now. Like the floor is yeah. we we have backed ourselves into a little bit of a corner there in that analysis because exactly. we don't have that luxury this year of talking about patience. That's what uh, I was about to say. I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. I think I was gonna ask you as a question to start my question and be like, why did you even ask me this? Because like <laughs> after everything we said last year, we like the hype, man. Oh, you don't, you don't understand. You don't understand. Excuse me. That we like blew, like we blew the ceiling off of what Crane was expect. Cause like last year we just talked about, we were like, really this team. Remember when they picked the, like, what were they picked last year? I only remember when we were, they were, they weren't eighth. Were they eighth in the big East? Yeah. They were they eighth, fin- right? Yeah. Oh they finished, God, they finished above that. UConn. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so this is what I'm saying. It's like, all right, last year was the last year that I feel like people could say that Mac wasn't every year that he's in the Big East Conference for the rest of the time he's there. I don't feel like you can place him below, like, fifth now. Like, come on. Like, out of respect. Like, after what he's done, like, you've highlighted it. Like, look at, like, what the team – every team he's had in the Big East has overachieved, if I'm not mistaken, of of the preseason ranking. Except for – yeah, no, I think that's my right. retro year. Damn, I'm, I'm taking shots at my guys. My retro year, we weren't very good. <laughs> <You> <laughs> rich, richer year, guys catch your strays, but it's no, but like, anyway, I'm just saying, like, I, I really do believe, like, that it's now, like, and now Jay writes out, like, come on, like, this team, why not? Why, why can't this be the year they win the Big East? They, why can't this be the year that they finish, you know, with the best, I guess, ranking going into the, uh, I guess there's I I have no reason to believe that this shouldn't be one of the better Creighton teams yeah. in history. I don't I, I don't I don't I don't believe I shouldn't have reason to. But hey, we'll see. I'm excited because you, you both. I'm are, not, so, I'm not so knocking that's, them. That's two fairs: Cole Fair, Jordan Fair on the preseason ranking. For sure. You know, I sure. I I have like uh, I have skepticism. Dan- I, yeah, I, that I makes have, sense. Well, that makes okay. sense. That's I have, all I have dance- that's on the brand for you. 
Listen, when it comes to criticism, I'm pretty fair. I think uh, I have danced between whether I think this is this team is the team before the team, like. Like like fifteen sixteen was the year oh, before the ooh. year eighteen okay. nineteen was the year before the year like that kind of thing, or but then also a part of me is like, does Ryan Kaufman have two years left of college basketball? Like doubtful. That's does the Arthur Kaluma? Stephen Adams Stephen Adams Jr. Yeah, that's Stephen Adams Jr. That's what I'm saying. Like so, if I say it's the year before the year, that means I'm expecting the nucleus to be to be back. You know, I expect the nucleus to have two years left of a journey together, and I don't know if that's true. I think so, that's wishful thinking. Respectfully. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right. I, that's that's yeah. that's logic, right? It's the more logical mm-hmm. uh, uh, side of things would be to assume that there's going to be some guys who are off to start their professional careers as soon as um, April wraps up. So that so that it's hard for me to then say that these expectations are unfair because they have to do it this year because they're going to be kind of plugging. Um, gaps from some pretty important pieces the following season right so it's hard to say that this isn't the year that they have to do that and that kind of sets the expectation right fair or not it's they have the reigning defensive player of the year um who's an anchor like a unicorn right like there's not a lot college basketball doesn't have a lot of guys well i mean now you see it more i guess there's a lot of big men going to be in next year's class but ryan Kalkbenders aren't you know are pretty unique you know in terms of their ability to affect the game like that. Um, and then you look at the ball handling they have with, you know, a Sharif Mitchell, who's kind of been forgotten about because he was injured all of last year, uh, potentially playing with or backing up a Ryan Nemhard. That's a lot of speed in your backcourt, a lot of experience in your backcourt. Trey Alexander was awesome in the NCAA tournament. Arthur Kaluma was awesome in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Baylor Shireman's a unique player, kind of like a, you know, he's a playmaker, and he's a good rebounder for his position, and he has ranged out to 30-something feet, right? So the pieces are – it's hard to think that a college basketball team with that many um, with that many uh, diverse skill sets is not destined for an elite, an elite season, you know? Um, so I have to go – I have to agree with you guys that I think the, the, the way-too-early stuff is kind of fair. I do, I do have skepticism though because the schedule is really difficult, <laughs> especially in the non-con. So I am not, I'm not absolving them of bumps in the road. Um, I don't think they're going to be. A, I don't know if I don't know if I feel like they'll be a top ten team on day one. I think by the end of it, though, though they will be. I, I feel so I, like what Cole said. If if health um, goes their way. Which didn't it didn't last year, and they still ended up pretty good. That's the scary part is like they they overcame a lot to even be as good as they were last year. So, um, yeah, I, I I think it's fair, but I don't know if they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to have a sixteen seventeen type season. I think the, I think if you make me pick today of what type of season they end up having, it's more going to it's going to be more like nineteen twenty, where it builds to that point as opposed to sixteen seventeen, which started off like. You know, were you guys undefeated to go into the Nova game, and that was your only loss until Maurice went down? Yeah, like, that's. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it's gonna be more like nineteen twenty, where it builds to that, as opposed to sixteen seventeen, where it just like is that from the jump, essentially. Anything else to add? What, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what part of your schedule are you of their schedule are you 
looking at specifically is like, man, that's going to be brutal. Is it just the collective um, non-conference? Or well, yeah, they go on to Maui. I think they have to go to ASU. I think they have to, I mean, they'll kick, they'll kill Nebraska. But uh, I'm trying to think who's all on it. I mean, Maui's They're playing be, someone up here in Vegas, right? Uh, I believe they're playing um, ASU in Vegas. Okay. I think, and I think there's, I think they, I think they're playing BYU again. Um, and I think they're, and then obviously Maui's going to be crazy. That tournament is insanely stacked. Um, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, it's it's probably going to be the toughest schedule that yeah. Max ever put together. Honestly, wow. or whoever does it, yeah, it's going to be crazy. So that's what I mean. I think there might be some, I think there might be some growing pains in that because they're going to be tested from the jump. You know, so I think. Mm. I think, but I think they'll eventually be that good. I just don't know if they'll be that good right away because they're still kind of young. I feel like with college basketball players, still really young. Yeah, I feel like with college basketball players, it's more like you become kind of who you're gonna be probably towards the end of that second year, and then in the, I think your junior year is kind of like you know you're either a star or you're not kind of thing. So like you know Nemhard and Alexander and Kaluma and. Those guys, they still kind of, and even even Kaufmaner to an extent, because he played, uh, you know, he was um, Christian Bishop's backup, right, his first year. So even to an extent, there, there's there's still some growth to be done for those guys. They're not they're not as good as they're going to be. So right. that's why I feel like maybe February and March is going to look, they'll look better in those months if they don't have any like physical interruptions um, than they will in December and January, in my opinion. I gotta make it out to a game this year. Yes, you yeah, do. I told, I told I told John McHugh I'd make it out to a game. I gotta make sure. Maybe a um, who's supposed to be good in the Big East? Who's supposed to be? Yeah, who's supposed to be good in the Big East? I mean, Nova's always good, but Jay Wright's not gonna be there. And yeah, um, is the yeah. next Archie Diakono gonna be good? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. What are they gonna do without? What are they gonna do? He's without like, Westfield? who's the next white boy in line? <laughs> is he gonna be good? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Xavier has a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of their contributors back from last year. So, um, and then they got yeah, whatever Is you the think. Game whatever you think. The show, yeah, the Nebraska games at home in Omaha. Yeah. Okay. I was gonna wait to announce the new Scurry and the Scrub season two T-shirts that are coming out for this year, but you guys want to hear what the new shirts are gonna be? Uh, news to me. So sure. <laughs> Great. So you remember the old, uh, remember the old TV ads? You know, Matt. You know how much I dislike PC fans and PC the school. Yeah, you know yeah, that school. Yeah, you remember the old ads? Mac is better than PC. Oh, like for <laughs> like the, oh yeah, like PC is Providence, okay. right? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Providence yeah. College. I'm glad. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. That's such a <laughs> it is the the College of Providence. Yes, it is. Providence and was so, probably like my least. Not to cut you off, probably was, Providence was like my least like. They're cool. No, like I have an issue Aww. with Providence. <laughs> like the 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 team you can't, like you you uh, had like the players. I'm from here. That's true. Okay. I'm from here. Okay. Remember? Yeah. Remember I never we had went, an issue with them. You was out here. We we, we went to my barber we out here, right? Went to burrito yeah, place. Yeah. My barber was. He was out here, but we couldn't get. You know. You know how it was. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. I have problems with Providence. Like I just the, these fans, like especially this year, they got way too high on this year's team. They kept so, winning. Yeah, they, Matt, they, they, Matt, they, the luck kept the luck stayed around. It was crazy. They never. Mm, I want that same. They, they, they didn't. They didn't come year. down until semifinal Friday. They didn't come down. 
That's great. <laughs> it's going to be this year, Mac greater than PC shirts. I'm wearing it everywhere. I'm coming to the PC game. Okay. I need to go to the one in Omaha. I'm hoping. Wait, you're going to wear the, you're going to wear it at the dunk. You're going to wear that shirt. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm aware of the dunk. And then I'm going to, I hope to come to the game in Omaha okay. and then dollar beer night. I'm aware it regardless of if we play PC or not. Yeah. Jordan, we, Jordan needs to be the new MC of dollar beer night. Cause lab is labs coaching at San Diego. All right, man. Great I, job. I got, I got a petition out there. Sign it. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's my, I'm putting that. We're putting that. I mean, it's, it's not very humble of us to say it on our own show, but uh yeah, Jordan Scurry needs to be the new MC of Dollar Dollar Beverage Night. Sorry. We well, I just, I just I want I want to I want to help Big out advocate. my guy John Fanta. That's it. I just want to help out my guy John. Yeah, Fanta's. Jordan. I think that's a, that's the top two. Is Fanta or Scurry? Those are the two that I feel like would would do the event justice. Those two. If you know, uh, if you, if you guys don't mind me asking real quick, I know it's kind of it's on topic, but it's not something we were scheduled. Matt, as a as a person that covers the team. Do yeah. you have like? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot because you probably have a bunch of dudes that it's, it's literally all I do. Put them on the spot. Put them put on the spot. Please put them on. I ask you why you shot. I ask you why you shot three for twelve like six times in your career. You can put me on the spot. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Don't even. Don't even feel bad, bro. Don't even feel bad. Let me set up for this. Yeah. Do you have, is there like <laughs> a particular? He literally way? sat up. He's about to say this with his chest. Yeah, he's, like ready. he's been waiting for this for years. He's gonna channel all that. <laughs> nah, but it's not. It's not right. like at you or anything. It's just I want to. I want your opinion on this. Okay. Is there like a particular fan base or team that Creighton plays against where? you genuinely like don't really like them very much or do you kind of keep it like professional Providence media? College. Oh, all right i'm done i know awesome. i know yours is it's jordan's answer jordan. is easy that was so easy uh, <laughs> um no i yeah i always keep it kind of like it's i'll say this it's easy to keep it professional because i mean if i'm being truthful um the first like 20 plus years of my life i was like a season ticket holder and going to games and everything so it was that was hard to shut off when i started covering the team i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. about that that was really difficult because you can't let that out you know what i mean um it it, it, right. if, it, it affects a lot of the things you do in a, in a negative way you don't even realize um so yeah um the the one that, so i'll say this the one that it's the hardest to do with is nebraska and the reason it's hard is because their media is less bashful about um, being homers. So it almost like, it almost like drags you into that a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you're not like, if you're like, especially when I'm in Lincoln, if I'm not stumped, like if I'm in Lincoln and I'm not, I'm not stumping for Creighton, it feels like you get like sucked. You get like, you get overwhelmed because everything around you in that space is all about like, you know, the go big red thing. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot, Mm -hmm. Like I, I swear, Jacob, it's, it's really it is it is irritating. Jacob Badilla, I like that's why I said it's Jacob Badilla at whenever I cover games in Lincoln because he's it's like Padilla. I thought it was Padilla for the long until just now. I thought it the double no, it's, L it's, was it's, like it's, Spanish. It's, okay. yeah, it's like it's like Godzilla. Good to know. Right. Um, maybe I got to hope I didn't just do that wrong. It's Padilla, I think. Anyway, whoops, we're, 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 my bad, Jake. Jake if, you, Jake, if you're <laughs> yeah. listening to this, we, please just tweet. I'm pretty the, sure how it's pronounced. Pretty sure it's like Godzilla. Um, so like, yeah, with him though, you know, he he went to Creighton, so he like he was kind of like a a, a Jasker or whatever, like he rooted for both, and then like he covers the Huskers now, so it's 
but he covers the Huskers like straight lace. Like he's not, he doesn't get like up or down based on, mm-hmm. and if he does, you don't see it. Like he's cool. He's a cool customer. You know, he's very professional. So that's like whenever I'm in Lincoln covering a Creighton, Nebraska event, I sit next to him because I can just like, we can both just zone in and do it professionally. Um, but I was sitting next to the Creightonian kid for the Creighton, Nebraska game this year when Alex O'Connell just went like full on, like egging fans on, like flipping the jersey up, like banging threes and like front running. You know what I mean? <laughs> Creighton guys don't do that in Lincoln very often. So when Alex did it, it was like hype show. Um, but I was sitting next to the Creightonian kid when Creighton was going off in the start of the game and he was like full on fist pumping, like cheering. I'm like, yo, chill. Like you gotta, I had, I'd like call him down like twice because he was, he was getting really into it and we were surrounded. We were surrounded by Husker media. And it's like, if you, you can't let them see that cause they'll just like jump all over it. So the it's not, yeah, I don't do it. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't show my fandom anymore, but the one that's really it's hard, hard to the one that it's really hard for the, the two that are really hard is Yukon and Nebraska. I feel like both of those are just like the same to me. There's a lot of like, okay. There's a you lot of. I gotta uh, make that game too. Yeah, when okay. you UConn is like they egg you on. It's like it's, I see a lot they, of them. They want they want trash like talk. just even on my Twitter feed. Like I see a lot of people liking and retweeting and like their interaction with UConn people like yeah. kind of crazy. So I'd imagine that yeah, UConn is UConn's insane. It's like a little rivalry almost for sure. I mean, when UConn came to when UConn came to Omaha for their game, they like they had the cornfield graphic. It's like. There isn't a, I have, I have not, I can't tell you the last time I saw a cornfield. That's not in Omaha. Like, seriously, come on. Like, we got to, you know, so that, that, it gets you going a little bit. So, UConn and Nebraska are the hardest ones to shut off. That's, gotcha. yeah. But. And then Providence for you, Jay. <laughs> Providence. Yeah, see, I think, the, the, see, this is the, no, 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 but see, Matt, you, you laughing, but it's a, it's, it's a distance thing. Like, no, what's the closest yeah. school to you that Creighton competes with? Mm-hmm. Lincoln, what's the closest school with me that Creighton competes with? PC, yeah. So that we're in the same boat here, man. Yeah. No, he loved semifinal Friday was Jordan's best day of the year last year. That was watching Cooley blow all those timeouts. Like, something like that. Yeah. It was, oh, I can't. I mean, wait. it was 40 for a minute and then it settled into 30. Yeah. It was that, was cra- that was crazy. I, I, kinda, I wasn't expecting Cole, that. <laughs> what kind of what kind of computer you got, bro? I have a MacBook Air. You got a Mac. I'm a you Mac. Mac. Yeah. You're not a you're not a PC guy. Yeah, I, I didn't pay you for a PC guy. No, I knew it. A PC guy. All right, Mac people here. Yeah. Last topic: the women, the women's team. Uh, ESPN's way too early. The latest. Uh, I think they put one out. Flan the man. Flan the man. Um, twenty first, one spot ahead of Nebraska. Talk about ESPN trying to get clicks there, huh? Right. Um. Yeah, so with them, it's a little bit different, right? Like, with the, with the men's side, they're losing – you know, you lose AO and Hawk, and you're like, you know, can they replace that? But, like, when you think about importance of positions, like Creighton's got their – the men on the men's side, they have their point guard back, and they obviously have their big men back. So that's like – that anchors everything else. You can fill the gaps there, right? With the women, it's different. They have everybody back except for, you know, uh, Peyton Brodsky, who was awesome in the NCAA tournament, probably the – best basketball of her career in the NCAA tournament. And then Tatum Rimbaugh, the you know, point guard who I think she finished with the second most assists in a single season ever. And the other person who the person who's number one whose jerseys is in the rafters. So um 
there's a little bit more to replace in terms of importance and value there, especially because Tatum was, you know, the unsung leader of the, or the, the unquestioned leader of the team, right? When things weren't in line, she got things in line. Um, so fair or foul on the women starting 21st based on returning six of their top seven scorers from an elite eight team um, and bringing in three players who – uh, Keani Lockett is a freshman point guard. She tore her ACL late in her season last year, so she might not be ready to play right away. Um, but Kennedy Townsend and Brittany Harshaw are two freshmen that I think they um, are pretty high on. So um, there's some additions there that you know are interesting. But fair or foul on the women starting 21st in the early, way too early ESPN rankings. Uh, more, more, more fair than I mean, more fair than uh, than the men, in my opinion. Like we're talking about top twenty-five. You know, the men are going around the top ten, and the women, like you said, they're returning six of their seven leading scores or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. there's more known. There's more known with them, in my opinion, just because the amount of production that they have coming back. Like they're not losing two starters uh, that scored a lot of the points and were the best shooters on the team and whatnot. Um, and then you figure how far they went last year. They already showed it. Sweet 16. You factor in who they lost to, like, of course, you know, yeah, right. national champions. Like there's just, I feel like there's so much more that's certain, or at least that I would imagine is, is, is certain about that team compared to the men's side. Um, so I think that their, their top 25 ranking, is, is certainly fair. And I I would think that they would, you know, with so much cohesion and carryover from last year, I would think that their season would be more like how you said the men's 16, 17 season was where they kind of get off to a good start and, and sustain it throughout most of the year, as opposed to, you know, kind of getting hot late and figuring it out once so-and-so is playing and once the, the younger players get going and whatnot, like I think that they should be able to, have a pretty good season from the jump. Um, so, yeah, I think that the top 25 ranking is is definitely fair. Jay? Yeah, I also think it's fair for a lot of even uh, some of the same reasons we were saying with, like, Mac is honestly, like, now finally putting respect on Flynn, like having a squad with as much carryover as they do, having, like, obviously now – recruits that you can come and kind of like, I guess, plug into places uh, before. But I think that the top 25 ranking is more of a reflection on like the belief that obviously Flam will be able to keep up like doing what he's doing and that this team will keep operating at the same level. And for a team that, I, if I'm correct, won like eight out of 10 in the middle of the season in a stretch, I think that's like a testament to just like the style of play what they have going on there. And I think that that's being recognized. So definitely fair. Yeah. Um, I, I also agree that it's fair. I actually was, you know, trying to weigh the uh, loss of, you know, contributors that played well in the tournament that are like reasons for them making as far as they did in Tatum and Peyton. Um, When you're trying to figure out like, okay, how do, how do you, what's the weight of that loss? Like how much value is not coming back in that gym? You know what I mean? Cause that's two seniors, um, two really tough players, uh, you know, and then obviously Tatum being the strongest yeah, in the tournament. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so I felt like, I felt like if you told me that Creighton an elite eight team is bringing back six of his top seven scorers, um, 
and they're 21st in the way too early rankings. I would say just that fact alone makes them underrated in that poll. But losing Tatum is big because you don't know what the production drop off there at the PG one spot is going to be. So it's important. Trust right, me. Yeah. I it's know. it's I extremely it. important. Right. Right. So uh, <laughs> I lived it. Right. So I think 21st is fair because if Tatum were coming back and she was part of that six of the top seven scorers that are coming back, I would think there's no way you have any lower than 15 being, you know, I would, I would think that would be ridiculous, but since she's gone, I think 21 is fair. And I think that it's it's going to be interesting to see them because they have an absurd schedule too. They're going to go play at South Dakota State, Frost Arena. I don't know. That's one of the if um that's one of the craziest environments for a basketball game that I've ever been in. It's it's like 2500, maybe it's like 5000. I forget. But it's like it's like high school Jimmy, but it's the energy is crazy in there. Um so they won the NIT and they have most of their talent coming back. Uh, they're going to play Nebraska, who's preseason top 25. Uh, and then Cole, they're going to go out your way out on the West Coast and play at Stanford, who's going to be top five, easily top four probably. Um, and they, yeah. have a lot, they have a lot coming back, plus number one recruit in the country added onto the roster. So hey, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be, they're gonna be tested. They're going to be tested right away too. They'll have Arkansas in Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a tough schedule. So, yeah, both the teams will be – tested from the jump but i think i think it's fair that they're both getting the preseason love that they're getting or at least the way too early preseason love that they're getting so yeah i'm with you cola how far are you You're in vegas right now right or are you in where vegas, yeah. i mean henderson but yeah yeah Vegas, pretty much same so thing. how far is palo alto too uh far away are you gonna go to that game at yeah all? that's pretty that's pretty far okay. um that's probably like a Eight, seven, eight hour drive, something like that. It's I was gonna say you could do some WNBA draft grades with Haley Jones and Cameron hey, Brink yo, and talent's gonna be there. Lauren right? Betts, that's gonna yeah. be crazy. Is Cameron Brink a junior now? Yeah, senior. No, she's a junior. She's a junior. She was on the national championship team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gonna be freaking good. That'll, yeah, that'll, yeah. I might have to try to make it up to again. Isn't Flan crazy? That's like a. That's not even a. That's not a home and home. He just said. <laughs> Let's go play at Stanford. Do it. Yeah. Why not? They're going to play Arkansas, I think, on the 17th at home. Mm -hmm. And then I think they're going to go to Stanford before Christmas. And that's going to be how they go into Christmas break. Flans Flans crazy. I might have some Creighton stuff lined up. Yeah. uh, Vegas and and Palo Alto. Yeah. You guys got to make it out here, out this way, at least one time. We do. Yeah. We got to come see the little girl, too. I know. Yeah. I got to get her to. I don't know if she'll be ready to go to the game just yet. Nah, she's probably, yeah, probably too. Yeah, probably she'll little. she'll get there eventually. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cole, I, uh, Jordan, I think we ran a little bit long for the Kenobi spoiler review, so we'll we'll push that. We'll get to that. Well, yeah. we 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 always got time. We're pushing we're pushing you know, two hours right now, and I feel like that's a, that's a, like a, a two that would be a two hour spiel on its own. So we'll push that. Uh, Cole's getting into the MCU though. I don't. Yeah, how far are you into that? Like, what's the last movie? I you think saw? the Jesus, the last movie I saw. I remember watching Ant Man, the first one. The first Ant Man. Okay. Are you going in some kind of order, or are you yeah, just throwing I'm it at the wall? And... No, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm going in... He's already seen like End Game and everything. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, way back. okay. So I, I've seen like before I actually got into the, the Marvel, whatever MCU thing, I have seen like 
the the recent Spider-Mans that had already come out. So oh, okay, like, okay. I saw them, but like I didn't really get it the significance. So I've seen like the later movies. I think I saw one of the Avengers a couple years ago with like a friend. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. But um, so you're on Ant-Man. Yeah, I think I'm at, I'm at Ant-Man, and then one of I think like the Captain America something. Like the third Captain America or something like that. Yeah, something Civil like that. War I think comes after. Civil, yeah, yeah, Civil, Civil, War, Civil War comes after Ant Man. So you're going in order, okay? Yeah, about yeah. I'm, I'm following order. I'm not just yeah. free. I'm not just yeah. free flowing. Cole, if you if you if you so, need the order, bro, I watched it the first time I ever went through the full like MCU, like from Iron Man one to every film in chronological order was my junior year summer because that's when, if I'm not mistaken, Infinity War was coming out. Okay. So yeah, one, I got the what, order what for is, you, bro. That's the one where the the dude gets the, the last stone or whatever. Yeah, uh-huh. they're 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 like fighting to yeah, get the that's stone. the one. Infinity the Infinity Stones, yeah. So Black Panther's uh after Civil War, so you're almost a Black Panther and uh Spider Man yeah. and mm-hmm. Doctor Strange yeah. and things so like far, that. So far yeah. so far I'm I've I've told people this, but like what is the point of Hawkeye? Like I don't like to do that. Hawkeye gets just, so much. Everyone, it's everyone is out there. Yeah, because everyone is out there fighting and yeah. doing superhuman things, and he's yeah. shooting the bow and arrow. Like Doctor um, Strange was on his ass in the last movie too. I don't know what. I don't know what. Like, Hawkeye just getting <laughs> shit on. I don't know what he did to everybody. He does get. He does. Get, well, it's, it's I mean, like, his, he, he, he was a bad guy first because like Loki made him. This is true. Loki made him, so yeah, this that's is probably, true. You probably rub people wrong by. By being so shooting arrows at him, yeah. Needs to stop. I gotta chill with that. Yeah. No, well, you're you, not. You, no, you, Cole, you'll everybody, make a everybody, everybody hates on Hawkeye. So you're you're okay, right in line. Yeah. This I'm, in the, I'm in the majority. Yeah, cool. you're full I'll see. Majority. I'll see if you come around on him after like End Game or something. We'll we'll check back with you. Yeah, you definitely might be a while. Yeah. I gotta get back into it. I, I I was on a roll. Like I watched probably me and Summer probably watched like That's fourteen or fifteen of the movies within like two to three weeks. But then. We have winter and we haven't watched. That's what I'm saying. So you once only, we get only, back into it, we'll get into it. Yeah, you're only four four months in. What to fatherhood? Yeah, you're gonna have them long nights. You need to just throw a movie on in the background while she yeah. just cry and fall asleep. Yeah. And you go, you're gonna be like, "Yo, this End Game, man." Well, the, well, the, the good thing about we, we we gonna get back in here. We gonna chop it up. Yeah, the good thing about the phases is like you can bump out three in a row and not lose the, con- not lose continuity, you know, because they all kind of mm-hmm. tie together properly. So it's when you like start a new. Like, I think if you if you if you get to if you get to the end of if you watch Civil War, that's a good time to like pause. You know what I mean? Civil War is my favorite. Because once you like once you see Black Panther, then you're gonna start like putting things together again. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you need some. You'll need your memories. Gotcha. Like, you know, right, I remember that. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you guys up to date. Yeah, we'll keep you uh, locked in on on the binging tactics, binging strategy. But hey, dude, we appreciate your time. We know with like the with winter and everything and all right. the honestly all the irons you got in the fire with everything you do um it's all good on the journalistic man. side we know your time is precious so we appreciate you hopping on and shooting the shit with us a little bit man you guys have a podcast that's i'm trying to reach those heights you know what i mean like so anytime i can be, be a part of one i'm gonna do it yeah just to get that experience it's not you know? that. It's not that. Anyway, yeah. We just. I think he. I think we just got super cool mics and we plug them into a certain, you know, an outlet. Yeah. They're talking. 
We just like nights. sports and kind of like each other, so we just do this. But I like, for I, like Jordan, I like Jordan way more than I like sports. So yeah, like or at least sport. Uh, Jordan likes me more than sports like me. My teams don't do very well. Like you know, I'm even. Uh, I'm worried about. We'll see what happens after uh, after free agency. If you're a little more hopeful, for sure. Uh, see, Matt, Matt, your your sports fandoms at least it's like the girl rejects you. Mine is like the girl. It's like my sports teams are like the girl that's like great. Until the end, and then she just it's breaks like, your heart and leaves. Like pretending to marry you, but cheating on you the whole time. Like that's your sports. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. That's my sports team. So at least See, your sports. At least your sports teams was. are just like that's how mine was. Like, I'm, I'm I'm graduating from the pessimistic approach. Okay, and I'm going to be optimistic because wow, you know, call off you. You I'm gonna be I'm gonna try like to be this. optimistic. You know, I got a little girl. I want I want to have the positive energy running around. Yeah, and so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I don't know if you guys know I'm a Bengals fan, but we made the Super Bowl. Yep. So I'm hoping, you know, building off of that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like, oh man, we lost our opportunity. You know what? Positive vibes. Okay. Clippers, we'll see what happens. A little harder. I'm with you. But yeah, you. I feel I mean I feel like the Clippers have a better chance of getting there than the Bengals do of repeating. So you know what I mean like we'll Clippers see. Celtics 2021 finals. I'm with you. Let's do oh it. my god, yeah. Wow. We'll have to do like every game recaps just to let you guys yell at each other. See uh. what's going on. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Um we're gonna get back into the swing of things here. So first of many coming at you. I don't Jordan probably doesn't want to call this season two yet, but you know, he'll He'll decide what season, season two is. Uh, this is season this is three, season Busta. Three. Oh, season three. My bad. My bad. My bad. Sorry. Season I two. On, like, Welcome to season three, Scary yeah. and the Scrub fans. Oh, so we are uh, back. Okay, so he just declared this. We day. are back. It is season three. Let's get it. Wow. All right, everybody. Thank you, Cole Huff, for hopping on. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Sir. This has been. I'm Matt DeMarinas. He's Jordan Scrub. This is the Scary and the Scrub podcast. Peace.